0: To the Ladies of the Chains Disc Golf Podcast. I am Becca Kephart, and I am very, very happy and thrilled in all of the happy words to have back in the studio with me, Nova Polite. How are you doing, Nova?
1: Oh, doing great. Glad to be here. Thanks for having us.
0: And Kim Janola. Hello. <laughs>
2: Let's get my Miss Doubtfire thing going. Now. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> I
0: quote that movie all the time. <laughs> I feel like it was at a time in my childhood, and I saw it so many times that it's just always in my brain but i'm now old enough that when i quote it with my students they all just look at me like i'm a
2: crazy person crazy when, you, when you bring up things you believe ought right. to be common <laughs> pop culture knowledge and then you're like yeah that's just before your time
0: all right so we're gonna start with an extended what you've been in this segment because you all been some places and done some things since we talked last so kim why don't you get us started
2: Well, let's see, Um, most recently the Omaha Ladies Open, big shout out to Kim Van Brunt, Devon Schultz, Mira Peterson, and everyone in Omaha for putting on a women's event, very, very um, happy to be up there for, this is my fourth year going up to Omaha, even though it's the third Omaha Ladies Open, and we have the, how should I say this? A lot of women's events coming up in Kansas City yeah. that it, it's kind of unique that we're having so many of yep. them. So the Emporia Open coming mm-hmm. up for the end of the, was it the Heartland Series? Mm-hmm. And then the Owl Open, which is yes. the next event in the Heartland Series. And then we also have a Throw Pink event coming up. Yep. So ladies of Kansas City, we want you there. Yep. Show up. And I guess the big thing to really talk about is master's worlds yeah Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) so master's worlds was an interesting thing where it was almost like a murphy's law event for Mm me um so i had ordered a new pair of shoes because after the kansas city wide open on day one at waterworks i'm like i need some new waterproof Mm -hmm. shoes i have to have new waterproof shoes and everyone's like you need to get terex i'm like okay terex So I ordered some and they came and I realized through my own lack of uh, perception, I had ordered the non-Gore-Tex Terex. Oh no. Yeah. So these were not waterproof at all. And I'm looking at the time before I get to Vermont, going, There's just no time to have them delivered Mm -hmm. here, but I have them delivered to the inn.
1: That was my idea.
2: (laughs) So I went back online, made certain I looked for the models that had the Gore-Tex. Ordered another pair, got the temporary Amazon Prime membership so I could have the, <laughs> the speedy shipping for free. They showed up at the inn day before round one. I'm all happy. And they're not Gore Tex. <laughs> and I checked and it's the right model, it's the right mm-hmm. everything. I don't know if when I clicked on the sizing or the color scheme, mm, if right. doing that somehow took me away from the Gore-Tex ones. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But there's just no way I'm getting Gore-Tex shoes now. And then round one happened. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a little wet,
1: I hear. <laughs> like a sprinkle? Like there's a little sprinkle?
2: <laughs> so Elaine King and a couple others have, have talked about that it it's arguably the most challenging round of golf most mm-hmm. of us have ever played in. Um To say that it was raining does a disservice to some of the rain I've played in. I mean, (laughs) I think that the spout of rain in Joplin was worse Mm. for a portion of it, but Joplin was not as long as this. I mean, it rained pretty much the entirety of round one. Um, I think we had minor sprinkles on hole one, and then it was dying off by hole 18, but we basically played in the rain the entire round yeah.
1: and it was windy um, i hear too right? Uh, so it was coming at you sideways yeah
2: and i didn't even want to get into the wind just yet yeah. but my bad yeah. <laughs> but yeah uh, wait there's wind there's wind there's wind so we found out from some of the officials i guess later that there was like 35 to 50 yeah. mile an hour right. winds during the round and it's just like wow it's it's crazy and I'm playing in shoes that are not waterproofed mm-hmm. at all. It mm-hmm. was, it was not fun. And despite all of that, I was hanging in there until hole yeah. 17 and right. hole 17, I had basically no grip left in my fingers. Yeah. Um, it, my fingers were pruned and they were slippery. No matter how much I was trying to dry them off, I just couldn't hold right. the disc. And, uh, and hole 18... Hole 18, for everyone who's seen the footage of Fox Run before, it. you look at hole 18 and you just want to throw it. Mm. It is one of these um, holes that it's just saying, come throw me,
0: <laughs> come throw me. <laughs>
2: right. I, we arrived at Smuggler's Notch, and I'm looking up at hole 18 going, I want to throw that yeah. so bad. I want to throw it so bad. And I practiced that hole. I knew exactly what I wanted to yeah. throw on that. I was just parking where I wanted to put mm. my drives in practice. And I'm like, okay, you can do this. Despite the rain, you can do this. Mm. My disc, my poor Tesla flies so gracefully over the out of bounds <laughs> and starts coming back into the inbounds and then die. <laughs> it's, like, it's not even a foot from the oh, gosh. from the out of bounds. It's, yeah. you know, it's within a foot. And it's just like, are you kidding? Mm. But because I was throwing out of bounds pretty much the right. entire uh, hill. I had to, yeah. uh, I got like maybe eight or nine feet right. in off the T pad or something like that. And then I'd throw it again. And then we're throwing like into, into a tailwind. So I'm like, mm-hmm. all right, I, I can make this work. I adjust my disc. And instead, as it's getting ready to do its final flight, it's getting ready to fade back in. All of a sudden, it lifts up and dumps right. It was just like, what? <laughs> 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 what? What? <laughs> So, you uh, had one job. Had, going right was not in the cards. Right. You were you were fading. <laughs> what was that? So uh, yes. so, needless to say, uh, I had some really really rough final two holes on in yeah. round one, and yeah. um, that put me like if I had parred the last two holes I or even would have been if I would have just simple bogeyed the last two holes I would have been within the you know with the other women in the top four and I just didn't and so I was just trying to play catch up the rest of the time Mm -hmm. and I don't know how many of you watched the footage from our pro worlds last year Mm -hmm. these are courses you kind of don't want to attack too too aggressively right um Partially because of the out-of-bounds, partially because of the trees, and I went out there being very aggressive, and it sometimes worked and sometimes didn't, and when it didn't, it was more costly than the times it worked, so Mm -hmm. I didn't really ever make up any ground, and, uh, you know, it, it was a rough major for me but you know tennessee's next year i like playing tennessee so we'll see what happens then yeah
0: what were your thoughts about smugglers notch overall like did it live up to the hype what yes how'd you feel about the courses yes
2: oh oh yes absolutely um despite the fact that i'm coming back with a a result that i don't feel is accurate to my game right um I would love to play them again. Yeah. I mean, in a heartbeat, if you yeah. said, hey, do you want to go play Smuggler's Notch? I'd be like, absolutely, I want to go play Smuggler's Notch. So yeah. both courses. So, yeah.
0: Awesome. Right so, yeah. All right, Nova, tell us about things in Nova land of disc golf.
1: All right. I, uh, I've also had some really bad results this summer, <laughs> and I'm not going to go into detail. Um, <laughs> now, a little bit of a midsummer slump. Yeah. Um, I missed cash at uh, the Kansas City Wide Open and the uh, DGPT Ledgestone Insurance Open. Um, Ledgestone is not my fault. They need new tee pads at Sunset Hills. That's mm-hmm. all I'm saying. Uh, front nine, temp tee pads. I shot terrible. Back nine, uh, the unused part of the ball golf course. Uh, concrete permanent tee pads. Mm-hmm. Shot great. I looked at all three rounds. Front nine, terrible. Back nine, great. So mm. get it together. Um, <laughs> Let's see. Uh, Kim already mentioned we went up to the Omaha Omaha Ladies Open. That was a good time. Thanks for having us, Mira. Um, and uh, it's hot out, uh, so I didn't play much this past week. And uh, we just came from Waterworks Park here in Kansas City, where there was a uh, MVP uh, circuit event, three-disc event. And one of the three discs is the uh, Streamline Trace. And that's my main driver that's my go-to all the time it's my security blanket it's my happy disc and one of the three discs in the three disc event was this so it's like having a cheat code so (laughs) i did pretty good Won women's overall turned in the scorecard took a look and it turns out i tied the man who won the men's side (laughs) so that feels good yeah Uh, now if only it was like sanctioned right (laughs) And that takes us all the way up to just like a half hour ago. Nice. Uh, yeah. We
2: came here from there. The T pad issue is real. Yeah. Um, if you watch uh, some of the footage from Pro Masters World, if you actually get to see yeah. some of that from Central Coast, um, we played from the blue pat, the blue positions, and right. on a lot of the places at Brewster Ridge, the blue positions are gravel, and mm. it's very short gravel as mm. opposed to a full right um length pad and so if you saw the men play you basically saw them play from the full pads and
1: and they were like made out of like elaborate patio paving stones mm -hmm. that were all mosaic together nice Mm -hmm. and it looked like you were throwing
2: from like little kitty litter boxes
1: (laughs) seriously it's that kind of gravel
0: yeah
2: yeah yeah and don't get me wrong i mean Everyone at Smuggler's Notch did their best to make certain all oh, of this yeah. stuff was playable, and that right. I, and they, you know, they raked the gravel and they tried to make mm-hmm. certain it was it was well, um, safe in, pre- in in its presentation and both in its footing. But it, it's not the same thing as having a full pad, right? And so it would that was that was also kind of challenging. So it, the struggle is real when oh, yeah. you're playing from two different surfaces because some of the times the blue. And the gold were the same positions, and you get to play from those. And then you'd go up to blue it elsewhere, and it's not, it's gravel. And it's like,
0: what? Yeah. No. Yeah, I'll give a quick shout out to a great new podcast from Ulti World if you haven't checked it out yet The Inside Line. And Elaine King was actually on the last episode. That was
1: a fantastic yeah, episode. Yeah, and they were, they were talking Alain so little, much.
0: Yeah, right. And they were talking a little bit about these variables and in T pads and kind of what can be done. To, and not just tee pads, but make kind of some overall um, just regulations or, or something consistent, something that can help us maybe address some of these issues. Like, because even at the European Open this this last weekend, mm-hmm. uh, Kristen Tatar on a tee pad, she was throwing a forehand shot and she just fell so hard. Mm-hmm. And it looked like there was some kind of gravelly, dirty something going on. Yeah. Um, on top of the T-pad and, you know, we're outside, certain things are going to happen, fair enough. Um, but I think that's, that's just a, a good topic to continue to talk about um, because, yeah, I... I'm in total agreement as a much, much lower level player as y'all like, I am very happy when I'm getting to drive from real concrete because I, I just really struggle in my game right now with field drives and it's something I'm working on. But um, yeah, concrete oh, is nice. I, I agree
1: with Elaine that there needs to be a, a tour standard yeah. uh, for T-pads right. and that if you've got different divisions playing from different T-pads, they need to be of a similar quality. Yeah. Yes. No pun intended. Because
2: yes. the idea the practice of kind of like retrofitting a course for different skill levels or different distance throwing or, or whatever we're going to you know call that if you're putting in temporary tee pads that aren't going to be there full time your divisions playing from those tee pads are not playing the same course at all that the people playing right. from the installed positions are
1: yeah yeah a slick piece of inch thick rubber just thrown on a hillside right. Right. Um, you know, it's it's bumpy, it's lumpy. It right. may not be pointed the right way. Yeah. Uh, it's a smooth surface, so if you just walked off of uh, grass that's coated in dew, you're mm-hmm. going to be slipping and sliding on it. Yeah. Not optimal. Yeah. yeah.
2: There were a couple positions at Brewster where they had extended the teeing area outside of the gravel, mm-hmm. so if you wanted to throw to the sure. left or the right of right. it, you could. And trust me, we did. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. And that that's okay for a smaller tournament with a smaller field. Um, they allowed us. They widened the temp tees at ledgestone by a foot on either side. And after one or two cards had gone through, that one foot wide strip of grass on either side of the tee had been, you know, completely right. churned up into right. dead grass and right. mud. Yep. Because everybody was doing that. So the yep. first couple of people to throw off the sides had, you know, damp grass, but still better than right. slipping and sliding on a slip and slide. Right. Uh, And then everyone after that, just, well, do you want the slip and slide or do you want the mud?
0: (laughs) Right. No, that's that's so true. So I've just got a couple things. Um, First of all, I want to thank you for sharing your struggles. Uh, It's been something I've been thinking about the last few days, just watching the European Open and and watching, um, you know, these top level professional players come back from disappointing rounds and from disappointing throws and things like that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, to see all... Also struggle to know that, you know, down here, a couple hundred or so points lower than you, that I'm uh, still ev- struggling, that there's still hope. Sometime. Exactly. So just, it gives me a lot of hope uh, to see kind of the, the roller coaster that it is, but then the coming back and triumphing, but that it's it's okay to struggle and the struggle's not forever is fantastic. Um, and then I just wanted to give a quick shout out for my What You've Been discing. I think I've done this before, but here it comes again to the MVP Entropy. It has been <laughs> the best disc really I think I've added to my bag um, this season. And something that's cool about it is like I've learned a shot with it I didn't know that I had. Um, I've been throwing a lot of Spikeysers with it. It is my Spikeyser jam for approach shots, and it works really well for that. And that's cool that it helped me learn how to throw a shot that I didn't know out of throw maybe as well before so uh,
1: kim and Beck, are you down with entropy
2: <laughs> yeah you know me you down with entropy yeah you know me you down with entropy <laughs> yeah you know me who's down with entropy every
0: mvp and with that <laughs> we'll take our first break and when we come back coach nova's red hot tip top tip
1: the 10th one
0: Ladies First Disc Golf is the most comprehensive retailer for women's disc golf needs. With over 50 five-star reviews on Google and Facebook, listen to what their customers have to say. Veronica B says, I love the selection they have. Discs popular with women can be hard to find, but not here. I love the t-shirts and hoodies. I live in them. Nikki N says, I love every product I've gotten from LFDG. Customer service is fantastic and fast shipping. If you are looking for stylish and comfortable disc golf apparel and discs for women disc golfers of all skill levels, Ladies First Disc Golf has your needs covered. For Ladies of the Chain's listeners, we're offering an exclusive 20% off discount on your next order of $19 or more. Visit ladiesfirstdiscgolf.com and use code LOTC20 at checkout.
1: It's time for Coach Nova's Red Hot Tip Top Tips. Quick clips of gripping tips and surprising advice, with no compromising. Coming to you bi-weekly on the Ladies of the Chain. Hey everybody, Coach Nova here. In his novel about fictional Vikings called Eaters of the Dead, Michael Crichton wrote this. Praise not the day until evening has come, a woman until she is burnt, a sword until it is tried, a maiden until she is married, ice until it has been crossed, beer until it has been drunk. Now, some of that is awful and problematic, absolutely, but what those fictional Vikings were saying can be applied to disc golf, and I don't just mean the part about drinking beer. Here's what I do mean. We've all been there. You throw an obviously bad shot, and from where you're standing, it looks like a pretty bad situation, and a feeling of doom and dread settles over you. Or sometimes you throw what feels like a great shot, and you're stoked, and you walk on clouds all the way up the fairway. And in either case, you arrive at your disc and what you find is the complete opposite of what you expected to find. Your terrible shot actually fought through the stuff and you've got a great look or you discovered a new line that will work out okay. Or maybe your awesome shot hit a root and rolled down a hillside or landed in knee-deep poison ivy or skipped up against a tree and now you're pinched. What happened is you let your emotions get ahead of your situation You didn't know if it was a good or a bad throw until you got to the disc and evaluated the lie. All that time you spent sad over what you thought was a bad throw was just a needless drag on your mood, not to mention the people around you. Or you just went through the emotional whiplash of discovering that your awesome shot was actually an unfortunate one and your joy has turned to ashes. My point is this. Don't be mad or sad or glad until you're sure you ought to be. Neither praise nor curse any throw until you've walked up to the lie and had a good look around. The time to be glad or sad is after you know for sure, not before. Now, I know there are some Zen masters out there who are already reaching for their Zen phones to Zen at me on Twitter. Coach Nova, they write, How about you just tell people not to be mad or glad? Huh? Have you considered that? To that I reply, I make these segments for normal people, not Zen masters. If you can turn off all your emotions, then more power to you, sister. But for all the regular people listening today, I say this. When you're out playing, don't jump to conclusions. Keeping your feelings in check until after you've properly evaluated the situation is red hot tip top.
0: All right. And we are back with disc golf trivia, also known as Becca Stumps Her Friends. But I think y'all are going to get some of these today. I have a very strong feeling. Not like the
2: Hall of Fame edition. (laughs) I am terrified.
0: This is... Amateur Worlds edition, because Amateur Worlds is this week in York, Pennsylvania. Yay, a tournament I've never played. (laughs) Why do you think we're going to get this? Just hold (laughs) on. Good grief. (laughs) Anyway, shout out to everyone traveling either out to or back from AM Worlds this year. Very exciting event that is happening. Okay, question one. Who won FA1 last year at Amateur Worlds? Do you remember?
2: FA1. Sometimes oh, really hard to remember. Hold on,
1: I I don't want to guess. This is one of the
2: Mandahanos, wasn't it? Yes, yeah, you're like, half
0: right. <laughs> That's good. Yes, it was Alexis Maguato who won, and uh, her sister took third. All
2: right, Thank half a point.
1: No, you get you get the whole point. I was gonna like come in and like steal <laughs> with her first name, but I had like a fifty fifty chance.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: that doesn't feel right.
0: Yes. All right. Question number two. Name a woman that has won both an AM Worlds title and a Pro Worlds title. Me! <laughs> I was hoping. I, I mean, how bad would we feel if she what didn't get that one back? Right. <laughs> that would be you, Kim. That would be me. Nova, can you name another one?
2: No, I cannot. <laughs> Does Paige Birkus count?
0: D- did She uh, She won junior. That's a good point. No, that, that counts. That, that counts. absolutely counts. She oh, yeah. actually wasn't on my list. All right. She should have been. She was on. Uh, you're three, the you're last three one.
2: for three, <laughs> Who was on? Who was on your list? So, who were you thinking of.
0: I I checked both lists against each other when I was pretty tired. So someone let me know if I'm wrong. But as far as I know, uh, Juliana Corver and Sue Stevens. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Sue won uh, an advanced title, and then she also won a, a FA40, or oh. I'm sorry, an FP40 title. So. Very cool.
2: And I won, FA at the time, FA40 right. and then FP40. Right. I got to get the <laughs> <I know>. strange <laughs> letter like it's so number. Fast.
0: It's like faster <laughs> to do that, and then yeah. I'm always questioning myself. They're
2: both masters. <laughs> yeah. One am, one pro.
0: Right, exactly. Okay, next question. How many women this year total are competing? You go over under here because you probably don't know the exact number. So give me a guess. 144. <laughs>
2: Okay, so this is...
1: Wait, what divisions? How many divisions? All,
0: including all of the women divisions. But we're not
2: including juniors in this because... No, it, because we're, that was a separate Yeah, yeah, yeah that was still a different Just, idea. Just wanted to confirm. Yeah. <laughs> 120.
0: 86. <sighs> Dang womp, it. Womp, but that's okay. And that's out of 705 competitors, so we're at 12%. <laughs>
1: that is actually an improvement.
0: Right. So we're still trending upward. Hooray. Anyway... All right, so that brings us to our topics of the week and Nova has a couple things to talk about so why don't you start with one of yours Nova
1: I'm going to do that. Uh, I want to talk about uh, music on the course yeah. and I'm not talking about Bluetooth speakers I'm only I'm talking about music that only you can hear. So I want to throw it out to everybody. Um, do you listen to music on the course? Um, if you do, what kind of player do you use and then when you're listening to it, what kind of music do you use, um, I'm gonna start. I I have an iPod because I don't like to use my phone. Sure. And usually, if I'm putting on the earbuds, uh, it's because I'm mad. I'm, I'm... <laughs> right. <laughs> it's like I need the world. Yeah. To go away. Yeah. And I'm throwing mad, so I put on some good mad music. Um, soundtrack to uh, Repo Man from back in the '80s usually does the trick. That's some classic 80s L.A. uh, punk rock. Um, But I want to throw it out there, too. Uh, Do you use your phone or do you use a dedicated music player? Do you use the wired earbuds? Do you use the Bluetooth ones that are two of them stuck together? Do you go old school and get your big headphones (laughs) like you're at the disco? And I want to also know, are you streaming on the Internet on Mm. your phone or are you using pre-made playlists? Uh, I'm going with playlists because... I don't stream because I also don't like the radio. I like yeah. to control my music. Yeah. Um, but I want to hear you all.
2: I have never used any earphones, earbuds, mm-hmm. MP3 player, phone, anything, have even you, in a practice round. Do you,
1: do you hum to yourself? <laughs> Let, you ever get a song stuck in your head? Sure. And you're, just, you're on the court. you just
2: do, 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 do. Sure, yeah. but having a song stuck in my head isn't the same thing as needing music to shut the world out and don't get me wrong I should probably investigate this at some point in time but I've never actually done it
0: I never have either and I really want to there's a couple things and reasons why I've hesitated the number one reason why I've never done it is just purely logistical that I'm concerned that if I had anything wired that it might you know mess with my throat somehow yeah, yeah. you know trip me up um i'm scared of using the little wireless earbud thingies i've never used yeah. those because i'm scared they're gonna fall out of my ears
1: Oh, you talking about like the the airpods yeah yeah yeah. it's like yeah if like one goes squirting out of your right. ear it's like it's in the tall grass
0: but kevin jones rocks those and it's like totally fine so i feel like it's I, at least possible th- th- those
1: terrify me for for that right. reason but they look like they should just fly away
0: shout out to cam cameron masher schmidt did i say it right yes Majors? okay so at the wide open when i was following the lead card at the wide open <laughs> big like, old head he's rocking these big old headphones right and i think this is like a related topic too we should talk about is how you feel when other people on your card maybe are listening to music and to me like as long as you're paying attention to the things that you're supposed to be paying attention to and, yeah. you know, we can communicate when we need to communicate, it's totally fine with me. But that was the first time I'd ever seen anyone wear over the head, yes. <laughs> like, earphone, like, wireless. And I'm like, that's kind of genius. Like, I wouldn't be scared of those, like, falling off. And to your point, Nova, like... I play when I play disc golf most of the time. I want to be social and I want to talk to other people, but I'm finding I've now played two events that are one round a day, A tiers. Mm-hmm. And like, I kind of want to really focus in that situation. I'm not yeah. as interested in, you know, it's two rounds and one day at a C or C tier. Halfway through the second round, we're all totally loopy. And that's just kind of part of the fun, you know, <laughs> yeah, like it yeah, is what yeah. it is. Um, but I kind of want to just like shut everything out and focus. So I'm willing to to at least experiment with it. Um, I'm a weirdo in that I'm a musician and musically trained, and music is my job. So here's my little twist in the situation. Uh I don't think I'd listen to music. I would probably listen to podcasts. I'd probably get me some NPR, get Uh my brain focused and relaxed, Uh and just concentrate on whatever story I'm listening to. Just listening
1: to people talking in soothing tones.
0: Yes, 100%.
1: (laughs) I had to stop listening to that in my car because I kept driving off the road. (laughs)
0: It's like...
2: But you bring up a good point. Um, You know, if it is a one-round-a-day event and you've got, like, three or four rounds, you have to play. And you want to be focused on that because it's not loopy in the middle of the C tier or two-round C tiers you're talking about. You know, imagine that now with the fact that this is your livelihood. Right. You are depending upon a cash. Absolutely. So, you know, I understand completely why... You'll often see Sarah Hocum or Jennifer Allen or any number of pro women yep. or pro men, for that matter, yep. listening to something that's going to allow them to focus because every stroke could right. mean the difference between how much money you're taking home that day.
1: I want to talk about the enormous phone that Jennifer Allen always has in her back pocket. <laughs> I've, I've, It's like, yeah, she's listening to music. I get it. But it's like she's got a Galaxy Note 53 <laughs> in her back pocket. And it's like,
0: how does she? How does she not yeah. sit on that? But I'm sure she How practices did... that way too, right? Yeah. Like, so she's probably very. Oh yeah, comfortable yeah. And I mean, yeah. Everybody, yeah.
1: everybody does. Everybody, you do you. It's <laughs> just I'm just watching and I'm like, I would sit on that and break it in a heartbeat. <laughs> and, um, to I mean, and and that kind of gets back to what you were saying about the logistics of it. Mm-hmm. Um, remember the little tiny iPod shuffles that yes. were like the size of a marshmallow, right. or I don't know, a gram. Uh, a golden gram cereal yeah. um got one of those and i clip it on the strap on the back of my hat oh yeah because you know lupe said dad hats are okay <laughs> right and the earbuds just hang and stick in my ears and there are no wires okay below shoulder level right and yeah. it weighs nothing so right. i don't even notice it's on my hat right
0: that's
1: smart so that yeah i, I wouldn't go that far
2: yeah
1: uh but it's effective
2: yeah, but it's just for myself Taking the earbud out, having to put it back in, making certain I do this before and after, sure. so that oh, you, to talk to people. To, to, well, yeah. to talk to people and to make certain it's back in when I'm ready to throw, and mm. you know, how much time do I need to acclimate after putting the earbuds back in? I don't sure. know. I've never done it, right. so it, it right. I the logis- the logistics of of that kind of move or excuse me, movement mm-hmm. and additional. Just care that goes in before every single throw. I don't know. It's just something I've never wanted to investigate.
1: Yeah. I use the really, really crummy earbuds that come with iPods and they don't make a good seal. So they're just like barely hanging on Mm -hmm. in my ears as it is. And the outside world comes in around them just fine as long as I don't crank it to dangerous volume.
0: Sure. Sure. And that brings me to one of my favorite things I love talking about, which is what is the net positive? You know, and I think that's ultimately the question is like, you just kind of have to experiment with it and see if the result is good, then yeah. Uh,
1: agreed. I mean, it's not for everybody and it's not for every situation. Right. It's, it's a tool like anything yeah. else. There have been times where I'm not going to name names or point fingers. I've played with enough people that nobody knows who I'm talking about. Um, (laughs) That yeah, it's like it is time. It's time to put in the earbuds. Yeah. Um, Right. And then there's other times where it's just like I really need Iggy Pop yelling in my ears right now (laughs) to get me motivated. (laughs) Nothing else is working. I
2: like it. I need Ashley Conley and carrie ricketts to be on the card with me every single time i play so maybe you would never need music i would never need music i love those two women to death they're so much fun to play with so to my
0: like npr they are a melody yeah like just maybe you just need to record them and then have them be your playlist perfect and then you can have them all the time which i like i support that kim what do you got
2: all right i had intended to write all of this down (laughs) but then real life happened and i'm winging all of this you can do it i know right (laughs) Um, I want to go a little bit more in depth on some of the stuff I've talked about in the past. One of the things we have spoken of was take the path of least resistance.
0: It's like my favorite thing ever. Yeah. Humans gone. are good at it. <laughs> and
2: I've also talked about... Um, pushing through the struggle of getting better or learning a new shot.
1: Which is the opposite of the path of least resistance.
2: (laughs) Well, yeah, the struggle part of it is definitely the opposite of the uh, path of least resistance. So let's kind of combine these two things, especially when you're not going to take the path of least resistance. Mm -hmm. When you get up to your lie, consider all the shots. Consider all the angles. When you're a new player... Oftentimes, the only weapon you have in your arsenal is going to be a hyzer. Mm -hmm. You're going to loop it around gently or forcefully, and you're going to try to settle it in near the basket, but it's one angle. It's in the air. If you're lefty, it's to the left. If you're righty, it's to the right. And everything you're going to be doing is going to be based off of that. But let's say all you have is a hyzer. There are still things to consider. Can you go over an obstacle? You talked about using entropies for spike hyzers. A lot of new players don't consider a spike hyzer at least initially. Not until someone shows it to them, or they uh, they do it by mistake and they realize, oh my god, this can be a weapon. Right.
1: And it's very
2: satisfying. <laughs> a spike is a great way to get around something you can't just gently loop yep. by. It's also a way of controlling how far the disc goes, because if you're using a lot of momentum going up, it's not going out. Well, let's take that in another direction. You can look up, look down. What is the surface of the ground you're about to throw on? Is it... Hard? Are you going to be able to skip the shot? Are you? Is it going to catch the disc? There's a whole bunch of things that you can use ground play for. Um, is this something? If you're really, really stuck, could you forehand roller underneath something? Um, Nova and like Katrina Allen and a few other women throw rollers to great effect. So an actual roller.
1: I am so proud to be in the same. Sentence. I know. <laughs>
2: Really? She she threw some she threw some yeah. sick rollers at Omaha. It was yeah. it was crazy, but um one of the things we often fail to do is consider all of the lines, all mm-hmm. of the angles, everything you can do. And right now, you know, we've been talking mostly about if you're just throwing a hyzer, or what we'll just say a basic backhand because hyzer is a very specific angle and you're not always just throwing a hyzer. But a lot of people start there though. Yeah. Once you start getting better, now you have to look at anheuser shots. Mm-hmm. Is it more beneficial to go around the left if you're righty or the right if you're lefty than it would be to take the traditional backhand line? Um, once you have forehands, that adds an entire other angle into it. Are you practicing overhand shots? Do you have a thumber or a tomahawk? There were a couple of times at the Des Moines Challenge this year where I – had severe obstacles in front of me and I threw thumbers and thumbers got through them because they're going to travel for the most part vertically, which decreases their likelihood of hitting a tree because Mm -hmm. you don't have as much horizontal presence. That's a way of getting around an obstacle. Once you have the shots or when you're learning, Take some time. When you get up to your lie, consider everything that you can throw from this perspective because the path of least resistance may not be the thing that you are the most comfortable throwing. Now, obviously, when you are in an event and strokes are on the line and you don't want to play risky, you want to throw what's comfortable. I'm not trying to encourage you to go outside of your comfort zone in the middle of competition, but when you're practicing, And in the attempts to get better, look at all of the lines, because if there is a spike a skip shot, um, a roller shot, something that is what you normally don't throw here, don't practice, this is a perfect opportunity to start getting better.
0: Yeah, I like that.
1: Awesome. And now I have to go rip up my script for Coach Nova's Red
0: Hot Tip hot Tip <laughs> number
1: 11. I don't know what I'm going to do next week now.
0: Well, and something I would mention that is sort of related, but um, is then to be confident in that shot, you know, like that's something I've been learning about a ton lately, to your point about I can see the line, but if I'm not confident in it, and this is not in practice, but like an actual competition, I need to not throw it. Like, I need to pick the line that I know I'm confident in. And then if there's maybe just, like, one line that makes sense, or if I choose to do one of the shots maybe I'm not as comfortable with, I still need to be confident in it. I still need to think, okay, I don't throw a lot of forehands, but I can remember this time that I threw a forehand okay, and here it comes, you know, that that makes, I guess, all the difference.
1: You are but, correct. The, uh, the lack of confidence often becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy if I step up to a shot and it feels kind of dodgy um yeah nine times out of ten it is going to be dodgy it's going to be bad because I'm I'm not going for it I'm not throwing it as effectively as I could I'm throwing with timidity right and I have stopped trying to fix myself on the spot if I step up to a line and I'm lining up and I'm you know doing a couple of swings and I think Mm -hmm. I don't know about this well I step off. Uh, yeah. I apologize to everybody for wasting their time. <laughs> and I say, and usually I'm like, I'm watching the clock. I'm like, wow, I just burned 20 or 30 seconds doing nothing. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, I'll just grab a really overstable disc and just hurl it over a tree just on a thumber. It's like, yeah, <laughs> yeah that's fine. That's fine. I, this wasn't going to work. Um, yeah. Let's go back to the security blanket, mm-hmm. grab yeah. my favorite overstable mid and just fire it over a tree. I don't care. Yeah.
2: So let's, Definitely, you know, talk about that. All of these things that, you know, the last couple times I've been on where I'm like, try new stuff out, yeah. learn the new shot, add another tool to your toolbox so that when you actually do this in competition, you'll have more options. If you were going to take one of these tools that you don't use that often out and you're going to use it, you have to commit to it. Yep. For sure. If you don't commit to the shot, like Nova said, the timidity is going to wreck it. You're going to hyzer out early. Mm-hmm. You're not going to get enough power, so it's 100%. going to dump. Yeah. or It's going to come up short. The angle is going to be wrong. There isn't going to be sufficient power to make the disc fly the way you intended. Any number of these things. If you decide to pull one of these lesser used tools out of your toolbox, commit to the shot. But that's why... I'm talking about when you step up to your line and practice, yeah. look at all of the shots you could right. throw because this is practice. Right. Take the time to throw some of these other mm-hmm. things. It doesn't matter in practice if they're bad. Yeah. This is the time where you can start seeing the many options that you actually have available to you and start learning them. Because if you wait until you're in a league round or you're in an event mm-hmm. or Anything like that, you're not ever going to throw them. You're going to have to do it when you feel comfortable, and the result isn't necessarily going to affect you negatively.
1: Yeah, yeah. You don't want to. You don't want your first tomahawk to be hole sixteen at Emporia Country Club onto, <laughs> onto that little tiny island. <laughs> That's not the time.
0: Well, and to your point, I had like the coolest experience at the K.C. Wide Open, and I'm going to share this just to help myself remember to think about this more that for us our last round was at Waterworks and on hole eight I just absolutely parked it it was just you know a short downhill shot but I still parked it had a tap-in birdie and tap-in birdies just always feel good they don't happen to me a lot but when they do they feel pretty great
1: right they continue to feel good yeah. forever. There right? is never a point in
2: time where a tap-in birdie is going to be like, oh, I really wanted to putt this one. But yeah,
1: like, I am so mad that I don't have to putt.
0: But then I walked up to hole nine, and like hole nine, the, oh, the shot hole. has to go right. And Were you
2: playing from the temp tee pad? Was your division oh, yeah. playing from temp? Oh, yeah. Okay,
0: so, okay, so that's I'm hard. Not, right, but I'm not going for, you know, the pin. I'm just going for a very, very good shot that will give me a good approach, but it cannot Heiser out early. And I knew exactly the disc to throw. I knew exactly how I needed to throw it. But because I had that birdie, I had the confidence to make the shot. And there was no doubt in my mind that I was going to make it. It was like, yeah, I've done this before. I know exactly what I need to do. And I just walked up and executed. And if I could do more of that, I would probably have better scores. So it's just a good takeaway to try to focus on that more than all the times it's hyzered out early all
1: but. right and that's to get back to it that's one of the reasons i listen to music is yeah. because that good feeling right. when you're walking on air up to the t-pad yeah. uh, if when that happens try to keep it going as yeah. long as possible and you know get some baroque music with a <laughs> with a basso continuoso
2: going in it yeah. it's just like
1: yeah all right it's gonna be like this on every hole really <laughs> I appreciate
0: that reference. <laughs> I thought you would. But that,
2: what you're saying there is essentially correct. Yeah. Um, if you go up there knowing you can make the shot, knowing you're going to do it, your game is just going to excel compared to what you're currently doing. Because if, I mean, I don't know this based off of any empiracy or anything, but I get the impression walking up to the tee with absolute confidence in your shot isn't something that happens right. all that often for right. you.
0: yeah. I'm still figuring it out. And yeah, trying to get it all muscle memoried Well, and
1: it's like a drug.
2: Yeah,
0: exactly.
2: Well, there are plenty of touring pros in every yeah. division yep. who want that degree of consistency right. and confidence, and it's you know if everyone had it, we would see a lot more top pros turning in under par. You know, ten right. under, ten under, whatever rounds and be like okay look at this everyone everyone's feeling it but it it's hard which is why the 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 elite players are something to really kind of yeah I'm not gonna say be in awe of as an audience but they make it look so easy that sometimes you you have to be because right. how can you be that consistent well geez their mental game is just that yep. strong
1: oh so. yeah yeah half the game is 90% mental <laughs>
2: The other, also mental,
0: right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Katrina <laughs> Allen. <laughs> All right, Nova, you had another topic for us.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna take us uh, over to the land of physics. Um, but it's it's okay. It's not hard physics like black. Science! No, it's okay. It's not hard, hard physics like black holes and quarks and the Large Hadron Collider. It's the really easy physics, like when you push on something, what happens? Because that is physics. You know, you roll a thing down the hill, that's physics. Right. Um, so we're talking about that kind of elementary physics. And that all. I said all of that just to get to... I'm going to talk about disc weight and you, because this is something that is particularly important uh, for women, um, because that's all anybody ever talks about. <laughs> Um, and let's get to the, the basics. Um, the acceleration of a thing when you throw it, um, basically just starts with a simple equation, F equals M A, three letters, uh, force equals mass times acceleration. Um, for our purposes, acceleration, we'll just call that speed or velocity. Uh, the math is a hair more complicated, but I'm keeping it basic. Uh, so that, F equals ma. Um, If you have the same force, you multiply the mass times the acceleration um, and the two sides are equal. Um, Now I throw with a force of one nova. Um, (laughs) That is the unit of measurement. So one nova uh, equals ma. And the reason I'm saying that is no matter what happens for me, F, the force is always one nova. So all we really care about is the other side, ma. M times a has to equal one nova. So if the M, the mass, the weight um, goes up, A has to go down so that when you multiply the two numbers together, they still equal one nova. And if the M goes down, the A goes up. And what that basically means is the lighter a thing is, the faster you throw it. And the faster you throw it, the farther it's going to go. This is where almost everybody starts with, okay, get the lightest disk I can. It's going to go real far. Um, and you're not wrong. Um, congratulations. You're, you are, you're with me. Um, even if you didn't know F equals MA, you knew it intuitively. Mm -hmm. So that's great. Um, but there's more to it than that. Um, because there's another thing is that when you throw a thing through the air or technically when anybody moves through a fluid, but let's just back it up to a disc (laughs) flying through the air, the air, air behaves like a fluid. Mm -hmm. It,
0: especially
1: here (laughs) physics (laughs) physics oh my god yeah um this is this is going to be the most complicated part of the math coming up and i'm just going to gloss over it uh drag which is the resistance to a thing going through a fluid um in this case the aerodynamic drag it increases with the square of the velocity that means on the equation for figuring out how much drag you've got There's a little 2 up above the V for velocity. And what that means is it doesn't just go up a little bit. It doesn't just double. You multiply it by itself. It's exponential, which is bad. Because you go back to F equals MA, that's linear. One goes down a certain amount. The other one goes up a certain amount. But your velocity being squared means you throw a disk a little bit faster. Your drag is going to go up more. So there are diminishing returns. Mm -hmm to how light you can make a disc. You can't go out there with a one gram paper plate and throw it five miles because, you know, you try to throw a sheet of paper. What happens? It goes nowhere because it has an amazing amount of drag. Mm -hmm. Uh, if you want to feel this, uh, get in a car, uh, when there's nobody around, you stick your hand out the window, just your hand and just a little bit. Don't hurt yourself. You know, 20, 30 miles an hour. Um, 50, 60 kilometers per hour, you know, you got, you got a little bit of resistance pushing on your wind. Uh, you double your speed up to 60 miles an hour, um, 105 kilometers per hour. You stick your hand out the window. You're getting shoved back hard. It is more than double the amount of force. In fact, it Mm -hmm. is literally quadruple the amount of force. So you doubled the speed, you quadrupled the amount of drag holding you back. And you probably just smacked your hand on the (laughs) windowsill. Um, this also affects the disc in flight. So diminishing returns for how light you can make a disc for how fast it's going to fly. And basically you need to find your sweet spot, Yeah. experiment around with different weights, um, go lighter and lighter until you're comfortable, particularly when you're starting out. Um, but there are some downsides to really light discs that you're going to want to get away from as you develop your form, as you develop your snap and your power, and as you're throwing farther because the light discs are going to stop working for you after a while and the reason for that is there are drawbacks. Um one is that a lighter object is easier to displace from its flight by a stray gust of wind. Right. Um on a gusty day when the wind is swirling around, a light disc is going to be just shoved and pushed off the line like crazy whereas a heavier disc is going to resist that a little better. We're talking percentages here. Um, You know, going from 150 to 175 grams is only about a 14% difference in mass, but it makes a huge difference on a windy day. I'm going to put a TLDR on this. (laughs) Um, You know, start as light as you can because it's going to go farther. But as your form cleans up, consider throwing the heavier discs. They're going to work for you. I'm not saying bag max weight on everything. I don't. Yeah. Uh, And I throw far. Right um i just had a little bit of a distance breakthrough and on flat ground i'm hitting 400 now Mm -hmm. uh 375 if i care where it lands right i'll just give you some guidelines um like yeah max weight putters 175 but that's not really for speed or drag or anything that's because i don't want a light disc that's going to get bullied by the chains right Uh, i want something that's going to push into the chains and drop in the basket uh mids they're all 180 because mids are big they're large diameter disc there's a lot of plastic in them they're hard to find in the lighter weights so it's like that eh, 180 whatever and they do resist the wind better being heavier so it makes them more dependable for upshots or tunnel shots i'm just saying uh but yeah my fairway drivers and my big drivers um 165 to 168, uh, there's one mold that I'll throw up to 172 just because they don't make them lighter. Right. And that is the the final code I want to double back to is the other thing is if you are dedicated, if you are diehard, I throw 160. That is my life. That is my weight. That's where I'm happy. You are drastically limiting the number of molds you can throw because there are some manufacturers, not naming names, who are constrained (laughs) Uh, in their factories, because they have so many different lines and so many different discs and mm-hmm. so many different companies they make for, that it seems like everything they spit out is 175 grams. You know, there's companies you open a box of all one mold and you look and it's all 172 to 175. Um, other companies you open a box of discs and you go down the line and there's a couple 168s, a 163, a bunch of 170s, and a ton of 175s because that's where they make their money. Um, but point being, if all you throw is 160, you're going to have a really frustrating day at the disc shop. Yeah. So if you can, start light, work up,
0: and I think you'll profit from it. So Kim, talk a little bit here about the weight of discs you throw. She throws light because ones. Because it's important, yeah. It frustrates me. Because <laughs> <laughs> you throw lightweight discs I do throw far. lightweight discs. Yeah. I
2: do throw lightweight discs, but I also throw... Overmolded discs. Right. Which, you know, um, most of the uh, diehard MVP, Axiom fans, stuff like that, will generally tell you that because of the overmolded weight at the rim, you could probably cut five grams off of what you would normally throw in another plastic. Well, yeah. You, um, so, for example, my Fission Teslas are right. like. All four of them excuse me, I, I shouldn't say that. Three of the four fission tessels I have in my bag are under 150 grams because they're fission, which right. puts all almost all of the weight in the rim. Um but once we get into mids and putters, for the most part, what she's saying is correct. You know, I'm throwing either high 160s or low 170s, both in putters and mids almost universally. It's just you yeah. know where it is. Right. But four you know the line of discs i throw and that i love to throw at somewhere between like 153 and 158 tends to be where i'm happy yeah um today i had to throw 170 gram trace right. and i was forehanding it pretty much <laughs> the entire time and it was working out very well as a forehand disc yeah. but it as a driver i don't it's like 15 grams higher than right. anything I typically throw. So right. it was it was an interesting adjustment I had to make.
0: Yeah, I'm definitely happy in the 150 class right now. Although I will say things that are more understable, I'm much more comfortable with as the weights go up. Um, that feel good in my hand. Uh, like the, the worst thing for me right now is something that is stable over stable and heavy. Because when I pick it up, it just doesn't feel like a thing I can throw. Oh, for sure. And when I have something that's more comfortable in my hand, because it's not going to be quite as wide of a rim in a driver, a little added weight doesn't bother me too much. Well,
1: well and there there's an important relationship there because right. uh, it gets us back to F equals MA. Right. You got a heavier disc, um... Uh-huh especially if it's heavier than somebody is accustomed to throwing, it's going to come out a little slower. Right. Which for almost every disc means it's going to act a little bit more stable or overstable than right. it would ordinarily. So it's like you're saying the the combination of a very light, very understable disc, you know, it can cause a lot of thrillers. Right.
2: <laughs> One of the things that goes back to, you know, my earlier topic about consider all the lines. Yeah one of the things you have to do in considering all the lines is consider what disc you're going to throw. Right. Um, I might say, you know, is the ground hard enough to skip off of? Well, what are you going to throw to skip? Right. Um, as a new player, when I was coming up, I stayed away from anything overstable. Right. I just refused to put overstable discs in my bag, period. End of story. They were bricks. There was no point in having them there. Why am I going to have this? hmm as I became a better player, I came to understand there's a reason you have an understable or excuse me, an overstable disc right. in your bag. And that's because there are times based off of where you are in relation to yeah. the target, you need something to finish hard to, you know, the left if you're a righty or right if you're a lefty. And there's
1: there's one in every bag. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, no matter the skill level, everybody's got one disc they really shouldn't be throwing <laughs> because they know it's a big skippy meat hook. Yeah. But and they it, have it in there. It doesn't matter what the mold is. Um, it's, yeah. it's just, it's sufficiently beefy and heavy that it's their big, heavy skippy meat hook. Yeah. Everybody's j- got one.
2: But you need to be aware that it's there right. and be aware that there are going to be shots you want to pull it out on. And you also need to be realistic about what it's going to do. Mm-hmm. A lot of people especially giving advice to new players, will say, oh, yeah, this is a really beefy disc. You're going to want to throw it in the wind. And then you go out and throw it in the wind, and it doesn't do anything like they they told you it was going to be. Well, no, because as Nova said, you have to put sufficient force on it in order to get the result. Even with the wind, you're not going to get that force. You know, if we're we're talking about a disc that's a 13-speed overstable disc and it's 175 grams, at our level of play... We if you get a thirteen speed overstable disc to do exactly what you want, then I'll I'll take that back. No, 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 no. <laughs> But to be fair, no, she she throws far, she cranks some stuff. So
1: But 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 to to your point, um, you know, you give somebody that's not very experienced a really big overstable disc and say, Yeah, you just throw this into a headwind and you're golden right. Well the headwind helps. Right. But doesn't. The, yeah. not enough, I think.
0: Yeah, totally agree.
2: Which is why, you know, when you're a new player and you say, you know, throw something a little bit more stable into a headphone, well, what is stable for what you're throwing? Right.
1: Yes, it's all relative.
2: I mean, if you're throwing an exceptionally understable disc, we'll say a Diamond or a Relay or a Leopard or anything in the the very understable class of discs, and this thing is behaving stable or overstable for you, you're not going to be wanting to throw something at the entire other end of the spectrum no. into a headwind because no. it's just not going to work out for you. There's a couple of degrees towards the center of stability that you can throw to get the a similar
0: result with the force you're putting on it. And, Nova, you had one other thing you wanted to mention today. Uh, it's true,
1: yeah. Uh, last time I was here, I was like, what, uh, six, eight weeks ago? Uh did a... Uh... About five minutes on the uh, change to the PDGAS policy for eligibility for gender-protected divisions. And I just uh, wanted to check with you, Kim, and you, Becca. Um, where is the sky? It's still in the sky. The sky is Not in the sky. Not falling
0: on the ground. Kim, where's the sky?
2: Is this like a Jimi Hendrix, excuse me, where I like kiss the sky thing? <laughs> no, or don't, uh, don't, don't
1: kiss it. That's the last time I ask you a reading question. <laughs> it's still
2: above it, us. It, it,
1: it Did it fall? <laughs> it not. did not fall. It, did it fall and then go back up or did it just stay up there the whole time?
2: It has stayed up
0: there.
1: Alright, yeah, the sky it didn't fall. That's all, back to you.
0: Excellent. Really good conversation. Thank you so much for bringing those topics. We're going to take a quick break and when we come back, our tournament spotlight and FPO recap. So for this week's Tournament spotlight. Kim mentioned it earlier, but I want to put another spotlight here on the Emporia Ladies Open. I am really excited about this tournament. I'm going to try to rearrange my schedule so I can make it. Uh, but it's October 5th in Emporia, and Denise Cameron and Jackie Morris are running it, and they are awesome people. And it's going to be the first all women's event in Emporia. They've had an all women's league uh, going on down there, I think, for a couple seasons now. And yeah, it should be a really, really good time. So definitely try to. To make it out if you can. Uh, you know, road trips to Emporia are always a good plan. All right, so let's talk about this weekend's big tournaments. And let's start with the biggest one, the European Open, the major that took place out in Finland. Always a cool event. I I really like watching the play on The Beast. And if you go to the spin TV dot not not dot com spin spin TV on YouTube, you will find uh, the FPO coverage and it's really good. Paige Pierce is commentating and I just chuckle to myself a little bit because, you know, she's commentating with Nate Perkins and also just like destroying this course. I mean, it's impressive to say the least, but Paige, man, wow. Uh, 2,000 rated rounds to start out and a uh, 17-stroke victory. I mean, what can you say? It was phenomenal. You've got to go check out. If you don't watch, you should watch all the coverage, but if you watch nothing else, go watch Page's drive on hole 17 of round two. It is amazing. Just, just go watch it. I don't even want to tell you about it. All right. Just watch it. Um, and Henna took second place. Kat took third. Kat actually shot the hot hot round today. And I have a thing to say about that in a second. And then Evelina took fourth and, uh, Kristen Tatar took fifth. And so the top five rated women in the tournament got top five, um, kind of as expected, but (laughs) that giant, giant win by Paige, just congrats. That's phenomenal. But something that I thought was really interesting, you should go check out the U-Disc stats. Uh, Today, so hole 16 at the Beast uh, as part of the European Open is this island hole and it's a really funky hole where you have to keep throwing from your lie basically until you make the island. And Paige and Kristen had great rounds today and would have had far, far higher ratings if this hole just hadn't like gotten them today. I mean, it just totally got them. And it's amazing with Paige, because I think she took a nine on it today and still, you know, finished the tournament, I believe two under three under and 17 stroke lead. It's fine. <laughs> um, so yeah, shout out to those ladies and go watch the coverage. It's really good. Okay, so the River City Open, man, this was really cool. So Liz Carr Sipion just tore it up. She shot a 943, nine. 9- 60 and 9.56 to go six under for the tournament and take the win over Lisa Fakis, who also shot really well and shot four down. Uh, Liz just went and grabbed it this weekend. So congrats, Liz. That's awesome. And also shout out to Ellen Widboom, who shot a 983 hot round final round to take third place. And I feel like with some searching, that is not the first time I've said that Ellen... Had the hot round in the last round this season. She is finishing strong and just playing, again, some great golf. So shout out to them. Uh, Sandy Hendel also took fourth place at three over par um, to finish out the cash. And then the Charlie Vettner Open. I think it's open. I don't know. It's that tournament. Uh, Shout out to Christine Jennings taking the win, the A-tier win. Good for you, Christine. That's awesome. Uh, She won over Jessica Weiss. And that's our show. (laughs) That's our show. Our shout out section. All right. Nova, what you got?
1: Uh, I'd like to give a shout out to Stephanie Roberts. Stephanie! Sent me this comment, quote, I live for Coach Nova's red hat tip top tips and I can't wait smiling emoji. I thank you, Stephanie. It means a lot to me to hear that. Somebody's enjoying my segments. Uh, sometimes when I'm making them, I feel like I'm putting advice in a bottle and tossing it into the sea. So it, uh, it is awesome to know that
0: somebody is listening. And shout out to Stephanie. I think we already, sh- already shouted her out for this before, but here it comes again because at well, the Kansas super City, fan. She, well, and at the Kansas City Wide Open, she was responsible for getting uh, a 100% UDISC covered on the professional MPO and FPO side, which was awesome.
1: Yes. Thank you so much. I did not have to do UDISC all weekend. <laughs> yes, Somebody else is doing fantastic. it. and That's amazing.
0: Kim, what you got? Two shout outs.
2: We played from with Jennifer Moran who had been living in Alaska and hadn't played for 10 years and she moved back to Omaha and decided to start going to leagues and it's never too late to pick it back up if you've yeah. walked away and she actually stepped up and played open with us like just after like a month or so of hard playing decided hey I'm going to I'm going to make a go of it in open so those really Pleased that she was so passionate about it. It yeah. was almost like talking to Andrea Eaton when she discovered yeah. it. You know, it's just like, oh, you know, I love doing this. I don't know why I put it down yeah. and stuff like that. My other shout out is to shout out to my doctor, Kelsey Bryant, who freaked out when she found out that I played professional disc golf awesome. and was just like, I've never had a pro athlete in my office ever. <laughs> That's so cool. No, it was because it, I have never seen someone just kind of light up at the thought of like having me in their office. (laughs) (laughs) And she was like shocked that there was professional disc golf at all. And I started explaining this and I'm like, at the time, this is before Vermont. And I'm like, should I tell you that I'm the reigning world champion? (laughs) And she just, she just lost it. And she's like, Oh my God, I've got a world champion in my office. So, but the one thing she said after hearing, what it was and how it was played was like, it was something she wants to get into. So Dr. Bryant, if you're out there, (laughs) just remember the Kansas city divas meet (laughs) on Monday at Rosedale and we would love to see you out there.
0: Thank you so much for listening to the Ladies of the Chains disc golf podcast. Thank you as always to DZ discs where the disc you see is the disc you get. You can use the code guitar at checkout if you are a new customer for a discount. Hey, quick note, we will not have a show next week. I am going to be on vacation. So we'll catch you back here in a couple of weeks on Ladies of the Chains disc golf podcast.